I'm Jeff Hakeem, founder of MCM Wealth. Welcome to our podcast today. We do these podcasts to advise families, business owners, and health professionals. Our approach is to build customized portfolios for each client while offering comprehensive financial planning services. Thank you for joining us today on this educational journey designed to protect your future. Hello and welcome to the MCM podcast. I'm Wendy McConnell. Today we are going to be talking about building portfolios that work. And we're going to be speaking to Bob Hoyt. He's principal and chairman of the investment committee at MCM Wealth. Welcome, Bob. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, Wendy. So you are a principal of MCM Wealth and the chair of its investment committee. So over the course of your career, you have been a psychologist, an entrepreneur, hedge fund manager, financial advisor, investment committee chair. I mean, wow. How have these diverse experiences influenced your views on building portfolios that work? Well, Wendy, there's no question that uh, the fact that I have a pretty unique set of experiences, at least for the financial advisory world, has uh, influenced my approach to uh, portfolio building in many important ways. My first career was as a psychologist, and my psychology training has been very influential in my creation of what we call the client discovery interview, where we explore a person's relationship to their money. I know that sounds kind of mysterious, and uh, I'm happy to elaborate later, but let me uh, not get bogged down there yet. Uh, The second thing I want to talk about is... um, My experiences as an entrepreneur, I've always focused on technology innovation as an entrepreneur, and that's why I've been very strongly an advocate and committed to building the best technology platform we possibly can for portfolio construction, which I know you'll hear more about that later as well. My experience as a hedge fund manager, Wendy, taught me that there's a lot of uh, people that are running money, managing money, whether it's their own fund or picking stocks, they often can lie to themselves. It's often more of that than trying to overtly lie to investors. But when performance is going a little south, things aren't going well, the answers don't always add up. That has led me to always create in investment committees I've run because uh, I've run others in the past, a guilty until proven innocent stance when we talk to investment managers. Uh, and that kind of skepticism, I think, has served my committees well. You were talking about the client discovery interview. Um, let's talk a little bit more about that. You said that your psychology background really helped contribute to this. Well, The more a financial advisor understands what makes their clients tick, the easier it's going to be to build a wealth plan that aligns more precisely with their needs and financial goals. Uh, Let me give you an example of what what I mean by the kind of questions we ask. We ask uh, the interviewee to rank by importance what's more important to them about what their money does for them. Is it for the freedom that money uh, affords? 
Is it for a lifestyle they want to be able to have? Is it for recognition of their success in the world? Or is it to make a better world? And people's ranking of those says a lot about them. And then the next question we ask says even more about them, which is, what do you value even more than money? So some of these are not directly related to uh, how we build the investment plan, but it sure helps in terms of understanding what they're about in the larger sense. Other questions in the discovery interview are much more specific, bread and butter, that helps our technology team on building the investment plan, which are most particularly things like what are your short-term financial goals, your intermediate and your long-term goals, because that helps us build our time horizon investing, which I'm also going to get into more later. Now, when you say the importance of freedom, lifestyle, recognition, a better world, when you say freedom, you mean time. Well, freedom is actually something that you always have to ask people, can you say something more about what they meant? For some people, freedom means that uh, if they want their kid to go to a private college versus uh, having to go to state school, they have the freedom to offer that. Other people mean it more as the freedom to get engaged in either political or not-for-profit activities and not constantly having to worry about what will it cost me. So for a lot of people, freedom is simply the freedom to not have to think about money first and foremost. Okay. Now you've talked about your technology platform. What is different about the technology that you use? Well, obviously all financial advisors is when they have technology that they use. You couldn't do this job without it. But the norm in the industry is what I call plug-and-play technology to your risk profile. So how does that typically work? A conservative investor, which a financial advisor either does it through an online assessment like we do, or by asking a series of questions, both ways can work. But if they uh, come out as a conservative investor, which conservative usually means you hate for your portfolio to go down, it really bothers you. Uh, They're typically going to be in either 40% stocks and 60% stocks or other forms of uh, fixed income or 50-50. And then a moderate would be a 60-40 investor. And then a aggressive investor would be 80% stocks and 20% fixed income. We think that's much too blunt an instrument for how to place people into the right portfolio that's truly right for them. So our technology platform allows us to adjust not just by risk profile, but by timeframe of when they need the money, what are their most important values and where they want their money to go, and how much wealth do they have in terms of meeting the short, intermediate, and long-term goals, we can put in many more variables through our technology platform. And the reason we can is we have two major components to our technology platform. One is through our major institutional partner who now has tremendous customization tools for what we typically call the core portfolio, the base portfolio for you. We have another joint venture partner that's a startup firm 
called Wealth Engine Technology. And they are much better at creating our satellite portfolios. So what do I mean by a satellite portfolio? They're very specific for something that the client wants or needs. For example, there can be an income sub-satellite. We have so much expertise in private as well as public income options that we can get people typically 85 to 9%, uh, which is even today with bonds much better is still quite an approved return. So if income is an important focus, either because your lifestyle or because you're in retirement, we can create a specialized piece of your portfolio just for that. In an almost opposite sense, and this is particularly appealing often to our young professionals, there is a next generation satellite portfolio we can create of technology, which is going to be much more volatile, but could uh, over time will typically outperform the S&P if you give it enough time for some of these emerging technologies to take hold and become dominant. Others want a mixture of growth and income. So we have a a satellite portfolio called dividend aristocrats, which are not the ones that are the most high yielding, but they're the ones, why are they called aristocrats? They've been growing their dividends for 25 straight years to be in that uh, satellite portfolio. So they not only produce income, but when the markets get shaky, these kind of aristocrats either go down less or come back sooner. We're even, Wendy, and this is kind of really exciting, and I don't see anywhere else where they've been able to do this. I frankly haven't seen a lot of our capabilities done elsewhere, is we can even design a satellite portfolio to a client's interest. Let me give you an example. Recently, we built a satellite portfolio for a client around defense industries and companies that are full bore producing munitions and rockets to resupply the Ukraine. And guess what? It's really true. Those companies are doing great now because they can't possibly produce enough. Uh, One of the things that's holding back the Ukraine is they're running out of munitions all the time. So these companies are trying to figure out how to increase capacity and making a boatload. They always say that war is good for the economy, right? Yes. Unfortunately, but true. Unfortunately, but true. The um, I, By the way, this major institutional partner, we're, we hope soon we'll be able to say their name. We can't yet, but I assure you, they're one of the largest and most respected financial institutions in the world. They have unbelievably great stress testing tools. So we can take a client's portfolio and say, What would this portfolio do? How much would it go down if we end up not getting inflation under control, as we hope, and having a pretty, uh, a much worse recession than we're currently planning? How much would your portfolio go down? What if we have no recession at all? How much more would that help your portfolio go up? So that's called stress testing. And our institutional partner has much better tools for that than Wealth Engine. Wealth Engine is much more effective, though, for two things. One is the satellite portfolios where we can take from anywhere in the universe of investing, private and public, and come up with the best kind of aligned satellite for the client's needs. 
It's also much better than the institutional partner on using AI. They are now using four different AI systems and looking for distilling the best of those. I think you may probably know, Wendy, that AI is still in its infancy stage. So you have to be, you can't just use one AI program because sometimes it thinks it's telling you the truth and it's what are called hallucinations. They're not true at all. Yeah. Um, So, but by using four different programs, there's more of that catching each other. And then of course, there's also the human element where we uh, uh, confirm things uh, the good old fashioned way as well. So those two platforms create a really robust ability to uh, build portfolios at work. Now, on your website, Bob, on the homepage, you say that you're experts at offering second opinions on a portfolio. So why would someone want to do that? Well, uh, that's a great question because uh, it's unusual. You know, you hear about second opinions, right, at most typically in uh, with doctors when uh, something's wrong. And we're not implying something's wrong. Uh, but on the other hand, we do want to work with people where they have questions about whether their portfolio is doing the kind of job that they think maybe it should be doing for them. Uh, it's interesting, Wendy, that most people have a much stronger feeling about their relationship with their financial advisor and are more confused about whether their portfolio is meeting their expectations. People easily get disoriented uh, and confused when they try to think about, well, what is realistic for me? I'm not someone that just wants to go and have a roller coaster volatility, so I'm not going to get you know, the highest returns all the time, but what is realistic for me? That is one great purpose for this second opinion. It is does take us a lot of resources to do this. So we do try to limit this to people that may have a serious interest in either replacing their current advisor or adding us. Some people like a stable of uh, a few different advisors for different things, which is a good model too. But the most important thing is to get people more objective and into the metrics of what is working in their portfolio compared to other alternatives that our technology uh, shows them uh, so they can go, well, this is how much volatility is in your current portfolio. The one here we're showing you as an alternative has even less volatility and yet its performance is better. Well, that usually gets people's attention. When yeah, that sounds great. Like that to them. Yes, <laughs> it's great. And that's why people are generally thrilled when they uh, see that, wow, I, uh, this is the most common comment, Wendy. Wow, I had no idea. <laughs> that's what people say. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about time horizon investing. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, that is something that isn't automatically done for a technology. Uh, it's more our experience. Twenty Having over 25 years of experience matters uh, in our boutique firm. Boutique attention, we think, matters too. But what Time Horizon Investing is, is that you can't just organize a portfolio around someone's risk tolerance. So that someone with low risk tolerance, you put them on all uh, moderate or conservative or someone with high risk tolerance, you put them in all aggressive. That's really 
not the right way to do it, in our opinion. What should be done is invest money by the time horizon of when you'll need that money from your portfolio. So short-term money, which is usually defined as one to three years, is money that you really want to have uh, very little risk of it going down significantly. Why? You never want to sell an investment when it's down. So we put them into investments that are much safer. That would be the most conservative end of a, um, a time horizon structured portfolio. Intermediate is what we consider when you may need the money. Uh, and we often people identify this through financial planning, which we offer as a separate service, of course, so that if they're not completely clear on when they're going to need the money and how much we have financial planning uh, tools that will help them figure that out. It, it, some people aren't even sure whether uh, how much money they're saving and financial planning can help with that as well. So intermediate would be sort of in the middle, right? More volatility than short term and more growth potential. There is a correlation between uh, more volatile products. If they're good products, I don't mean they're automatically good because they're volatile, but if they're both volatile and there's a strong investment proposition there of why it should grow and thrive over time, uh, then volatility is actually your friend the longer you go out because those tend to go up the highest. Uh, so intermediate would be that middle part and long-term would be where we want people to accept uh, the most volatility and get comfortable with that. So our job really is to get conservative investors more comfortable to go beyond their comfort zone for long-term money because everyone wants more money. Some people need more money and that it would be actually risky for them to be too conservative because they could run out now that our life expectancy is reaching the low 90s. For conservative investors, kind of the opposite and going, hey, I know you don't mind volatility, but you, it's still not wise to take money out at a loss um, unless you're intentionally doing that for uh, something called tax loss harvesting. But that's not usually the reason. That's a good reason. But typically, they just want everything to be high growth potential. But that really doesn't make sense for money you're going to need in a couple of three years. Mm -hmm. So this is what you're calling now the three buckets. Yes, those are the three buckets of a short term, intermediate term and long term. And uh, um, uh, something else I want to mention, putting on my psychologist hat for a second, Wendy, is that um, uh, behavioral finance, of course, is how I end up applying my psychology skills the most now. And one of uh, the most famous behavioral finance principles is called recency bias. And what that means is emotionally, we much more remember the performance of our portfolio in the last couple of years than we do four or five, six years out. It's like a distant memory. We can't even quite remember it, more or less feel it. And yet, even in the 21st century, Wendy, we've gone through two very long down periods. The stock market high, using the S&P as an example, the stock market high 
in uh, 1999 was not reached again till 2007. And that party certainly didn't last long. It lasted less than a year before we ran right into the great financial crisis. And that market high from 2007 took us all the way till 2015 to get back there again. Not that there wasn't some good times in there, like 2009 gave people a lot of relief, but they were still a long way from where they were at their high, even with that big rebound in 2009. So these kind of things we try to also incorporate into how we customize to get people to go, listen, I know that right now it feels to you like it's not that hard to invest. I'll just put into a few big indexes because it's worked great in what's called the post-financial crisis bull market of 2009 to 2021. It was kind of like shooting apples in a uh, in a barrel, Wendy, because there were two tailwinds in that bull market that every expert out there agrees cannot possibly be repeated. It was a combination of free money. A lot of the experts say the Fed will never, ever allow the Fed fund rate to go below 2% again. They had it down almost to zero yeah. uh, in that bull market. And the government spent between the great financial crisis and then COVID 10x as much money as they spent in any other period in American history. Well, those are all uh, now that party is over. Uh, now inflation is back. Now deficits are a real issue. So um, we believe, and so, by the way, so does our institutional partner that use much more active instead of passive ETFs that the next bull market, you're going to have to be much more precision customized to make the same kind of money you did in the last bull market, or at least to make good money. So the party's over what you're saying. It's it's all over. Great. Yeah. It's not all over. It just (laughs) means that you got to be smarter. It won't be apples in a barrel, but that doesn't mean there aren't apples. Right. So this is why we need precision customization, right? And you're going to tell me all about that. Yes, precision customization really means, listen, no two people are alike. And no two people have the same set of values around their money, what they want to do in terms of legacy, or if they have children, what they have in mind. Some people want to leave a ton of money to their children, and other people go, no, I think that's the worst thing for my kids. So all these things need to be integrated into their wealth plan. Well, If you just use the classic definition of, oh, organize things by only conservative, moderate, and aggressive, you miss all the nuances of what they really want their portfolio to do. It could be that uh, some people, when markets are looking very bullish, they want us to shift to more aggressive investments for them because they're not that worried about the market right now. Other people, they worry all the time. It doesn't matter whether, in fact, uh, the consensus is we're going to go, we're at the beginning of a new bull market and we can relax for a while in terms of growth. Some people just, that isn't how they're built. So they're going to still want more protection in their portfolio, but it's our job to go, okay, we'll give you protection, but how about a little less protection right now? And then we have to educate them and walk them through why 
you don't want to leave too much money on the table when you're in a bull market and you don't want to take too much money off the table uh, in a bear market because when you lose a quarter, it takes you 33 cents to get it back. I'm not going to go into all the complexity of compounding. It would get us into a whole other uh, podcast. Uh, but when you lose a dollar, you have to make more than a dollar to get it back. So it isn't one of the most important ways to make money is to lose less when the markets go down. That is a fact. So one of the things that goes through all of life is it's a fine line you need to walk, right? It's a fine line. And it's our job as an investment advisor to say, let me show you a map to these fine lines. That is a map that is actually a map just made for you. It's not about people. It's about you. Uh, when I say you, by the way, I mean you, the couple. Uh, we strongly, uh, through our discovery process, the discovery interview, everything we do, we always pretty much insist, if it is a couple, that both people get involved because it's our belief that somebody's going to survive. What if it's the uh, the surviving partner has been completely disengaged from investments? That gets pretty scary and unsettling. Even if you have money, it's scary and unsettling. So we take quite seriously educating who is the uh, less involved one. Some people, just like you know about math phobias of people that they see math and their their eyes gloss over, but there are people that are like that about investing. Sure. We don't really settle for that. We go, okay, it's our job to put it in plain enough terms and simple enough English to get you more comfortable because it's really not wise, in our opinion, to just completely hand off money to an advisor and say, I don't know what they're doing, but they're good. It's not our belief. Our belief is you need to be sure you understand us well enough to know how well we're doing. This is why we're such big advocates for the second opinion, uh, free second opinion that we offer, because you need to get yourself educated and not just believe what's told to you, because everyone has all kinds of motives. Let's face it. Every financial advisor on the planet wants to keep the client. Who doesn't? Right. So some of those are doing it in the wonderful ways. There's some fabulous financial advisors out there. And others, they just keep sort of keeping you deflected a little bit from looking at your portfolio and just only focus on that relationship. Most financial advisors are pretty good at building relationships or they're in the wrong business. Mm, I see. So we're about out of time. So what is one piece of advice that you would like to give? Oh, you're going to, I got to think about that, but you're not going to give me any time. So let me just start <laughs> talking. <laughs> uh, you can do it. I think I could do it. So my advice is do not just get complacent about your financial advisor or that your money's working for you. That there's usually either confirm that it's working for you, that advisor and your portfolio is working for you as well as you thought. Get confirmation. Uh, this is why second opinions are a great idea. If you had cancer and they told you, well, we, we want to colon cancer. And they say, well, we want to take out your whole intestine. Wouldn't you get a second opinion? Absolutely, you would. Mm -hmm. Well, 
it's more subtle in this world because you're not getting a diagnosis per se. But it's just as important to make sure that you're not getting just too complacent and reliant on just that you like that person or you trust that person. Someone that's reliable and trustworthy may not be a great portfolio manager in terms of building a portfolio that works. That's my advice. All right. So good advice there, Bob. We appreciate it. You're welcome. And thank you for being here today and taking the time to tell us about these new innovations. Well, thank you, Wendy. I've enjoyed it. You, you ask great questions. Ah, well, thank you. Uh, and thank you for joining us today. Please like, follow, and share this podcast. Until next time, I'm Wendy McConnell. This is Jeff Hakeem again. Thank you for listening to this episode of our MCM Wealth Podcast. Please click the follow button to be notified of new episodes as they become available. Also, please visit our website at www.mcmwealth.com or call me on my direct line at 415-299-6574 so you and I can have an initial discussion. We look forward to learning about you.